Hey, I want to uh, welcome you to Light Church this morning. It's so good to be together. And uh, if you've been with us for a while, uh, you know. And that today is a very different gathering. And I love it. I love it when all the kids are together. And uh, it almost feels like, you know, those moments... Um, where all the family are together in the living room around the fire and uh, the kids are doing funny stuff and people are telling stories and it just feels like that's what it's like this morning. So it's an honor to share this space with you. It's an honor to share this room with you. And if this is your first time, I hope you feel at home and welcome. And a lot's gone into today uh, just from behind the scenes and we're going to do some thank yous at the end. But I just want to share something that happened to me on Friday morning. So as I usually do, we, me and Holly had been working in the morning and we get home around lunchtime and I go and I turn the dishwasher on, as I do. All I heard was, and the sound of gushing water, gushing water everywhere. We'd recently renovated our kitchen. We put a brand new kitchen in and uh, we hadn't had a dishwasher for a very long time. And this was, this was amazing. We finally had a dishwasher on Friday morning. I turned the dishwasher on and a pipe burst behind the dishwasher and there was water everywhere. This was not how it was supposed to go. So we spent a good part of two days on my stomach trying to get under the dishwasher, finally fixing the pipe. Yesterday at 3 p.m., there was tools all around the house. There was towels. There was the whole picture of all of this stuff going on. This was not how it was supposed to be. We put this new kitchen in thinking, oh, it'll, it'll you know, it's like a fresh start. As I was on my stomach yesterday with wet sleeves and learning how to plumb, this was not how it was supposed to be. As I was there, it was like the tools began to mount up in the kitchen. The notifications of all of the things I was supposed to be doing were quickly mounting up. This was not how it was supposed to be. Finally, like I said, at 3 p.m. yesterday, I finally got it fixed. We got the heating back on. The house was freezing cold. We, we, we had to react pretty quickly. And we were there looking at each other. This was not how this was supposed to be. I wonder if you've ever had one of those days where you said to yourself, this was not how this was supposed to be. This was not how I expected this to turn out. Maybe you've had one of those days, maybe you've had one of those weeks where you've been like, this is not how this was supposed to be. Or maybe that's been what the last few years has been like for you. You had a sense of dream in your life or you had a sense of future. Or you had a sense of what God was calling you to do. And you got to this point where you feel like finally now it's here. This is not how it is supposed to be. I've had moments like that in my life, whether it's a burst pipe or whether it's disappointment or whatever it is. But this is very much similar to the story of Christmas. Okay, the Christmas story is one of those stories where we find ourselves looking at it and going, this is not supposed to be this way. Like the way the Christmas story unfolded, you could look at it and go, this, this is not how it was supposed to turn out. This is not how it was supposed to happen. Like let's think about it. For hundreds of years, there were prophecies of the, this moment where God would step down from heaven 
and offer his tangible presence on earth. This moment that they had waited for, generations had passed it down from generation to generation to generation, almost like every single family member knew at some point, God is going to send someone to save us. Imagine that sense of anticipation, of hope for years. This mighty king, the freedom fighter, the commander of the armies of heaven would step foot on earth. For years they had waited. But this story was very much, uh, this isn't supposed to be like this. Especially for those involved like Mary and Joseph and the people at the time. But I want to suggest that actually this story to the Jews and to Mary and Joseph and the people involved, they were like, "This is this right? Is this how it's supposed to be? It was exactly how God had planned it. So I want to look at the Christmas story just a little bit. Just summarize it for us in just a few moments. And then we can get to our coffee and our hanging out after the gathering. And I'm sure you can go and speak to the kids and ask them what character of the Christmas story they are. And they will tell you in great detail. Imagine this. This moment. The, the most important moment in human history where God steps foot on earth. Where God crosses that eternal divide and becomes a human this is how it happens. God tells Mary that she is going to carry the Son of God. Mary was a teenager and was due to be married to Joseph. Now this is a position of huge social shame. So Mary, a teenager, which it wasn't uncommon for teenagers to be married in that time, to become an adult in the Jewish custom, you were about 13 or so. When they see, the way they saw you as an adult, so it's not weird. It might sound weird to us today. But she was due to be married when she was a teenager. And when you're due to be married, it's a legally binding contract and you should not be pregnant in those moments. And God says through an angel to Mary, you are going to carry Jesus. You imagine Mary. I've heard about this moment. My grandparents, 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 that we all know that the Messiah is going to come and God's just told me that I'm going to carry him. This is not how this is supposed to be. You can imagine the feeling of Mary and then Joseph, obviously he's due to be married and then Mary, he sees that she's pregnant and he wants to divorce her quietly because he's a kind man. And an angel, God via an angel speaks to Joseph and says, don't worry about it. Everything that's happened is true. The Holy Spirit has done this and you are going to have a son and call him Jesus. You imagine Joseph in this moment. It says Joseph is from the line of David. He knew this story inside and out. He knew that God was going to send a Messiah and even more so, it was from his family line, the line of David. So you imagine Joseph for centuries, they had known that it says in Isaiah that through the line of David, the Messiah will come. Okay, he knows this. An angel visits him. This is the moment. What does Joseph think? This isn't supposed to be like this. This isn't, this isn't how this was supposed to go. But he's obedient. He listens to God. Mary and Joseph are obedient. They carry the Son of God. And think about what they sacrifice in this moment, economic security, their jobs, their social standing, even the view of their Jewish customs. They, Even though they were following what God was asking of them, they were sacrificing the way other people viewed them as righteous Jews. They This cost them a lot. You imagine how they felt? This wasn't supposed to be this way. 
And then they essentially hide for nine months. They stay a little bit at Elizabeth's house for about three months. And then for the last six months, they essentially lay low because they don't want people to see them. And they don't want to put Mary in that position. And then what happens is, it says, when the time of the birth was near, the Roman emperor called a census, which means that everyone had to go back to the town that they were born in. So nine months pregnant, Mary and Joseph, on the back of a camel or a donkey or walking, they had to make a 90-mile journey, a four-day journey through freezing cold temperatures at night and hot temperatures in the day to get back to Bethlehem, from Galilee to Bethlehem. They had to make this treacherous journey when Mary was pregnant. I've never been pregnant. You'll be uh, not shocked to hear. But when people are nine months pregnant, I think the last thing they want to do is ride a camel. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. But they have to make a 90-mile journey. It says the time of the birth was near. So because of the census... You wonder why were the inns full? Well, during a census, everyone goes back to their hometown. They don't live in those hometowns, so they stay with family or extended family or in places like inns. So this census means everyone. It's a super busy time. There are no room in the inn. And Mary and Joseph, they come. it comes time for the baby to be born. And where do they go? Scholars believe that when it says a stable, what it really means is either a damp cave where they would keep animals beside these inns. Or the ground floor of an inn would just be hay and usually an open side. So at night it would have been freezing. And the savior of humanity was born in a cow shed and laid in a feeding trough. Picture this moment. Mary and Joseph for nine months have known we are carrying the son of God. And they sat there on the birth in one of the most significant events in human history and Mary and Joseph are there surrounded by animals and poo and hay and noise and smells and damp this is not how this was supposed to be you get that vibe from from this story when I read this I just imagine the Old Testament they knew it inside out the Old Testament tells of this moment this moment is coming God will step into human skin And this is the story. This is not how this was supposed to be. Not only that, as soon as Jesus was born in the months or year following that, Herod the king wanted to protect his kingdom. So put out a decree that every child under the age of two in Bethlehem was to be put to death to try and stop the growth and development of Jesus because they knew that maybe if this is the prophecy come true, then he will come to overthrow me because he'd be the king of the Jews. Again, this is not how this is supposed to be. Everyone had this expectation in their mind. Everyone had this view of what this moment would be like. Think about this. The culmination of centuries of prophecy, speculation, anticipation, and of hope. The moment of all moments. This Emmanuel, God with us. This this life-defining, anthropological, complete paradigm shifting event this was the moment the divine plunged into the murky depths of humanity the light stepped into the darkness he who always was became a human he who created the earth and breathed life into our lungs became his own creation 
That was the moment. And does that sound like the way that this moment foretold for generations? Do you think that's how they expected it to go? I would suggest that it couldn't be further from what they expected. It could not have been further from there, this moment that they anticipated. But the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' birth, is a story of hope and of wonder and of beauty and of comfort for you and I today. For many reasons. The story of Christmas, the story of the birth of Jesus, the kids beautifully demonstrated to us this morning. This story reminds me that there is joy and wonder and beauty to be found in the chaos of life. Ever had one of those months, one of those years, one of those days that this is not how this was supposed to be? The birth of Jesus shows me that in the midst of those not supposed to be moments, in the midst of the upside down, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness, we find this serene moment of beauty and wonder and joy and hope that the greatest hope humanity has ever known was birthed in this moment. It reminds me that when I go through dark times in my life, when things feel upside down, when things are confusing, when I feel like it wasn't supposed to turn out that way, God, I can still have hope because the God that we follow does not just lift us out of the brokenness, but he gives us peace and beauty and wonder and hope in the midst of it all. That's the God that we serve. That's the story that the kids told us about this morning. That even in the chaos of life, there is beauty and joy and wonder to be found. That's what the Christmas story reminds me of. It also reminds me that the remedy to human suffering and pain and the unforeseen circumstances that we find ourselves in, when life is upside down, when things are crazy and you don't know really where you are, the answer to that moment is not escape, but it's actually presence. Think about this moment. I want you to keep this picture in your mind. I want you to imagine the storm of this Christmas story raging on. The political landscape at the time, volatile. The social landscape at the time, volatile. The Romans imposing themselves on the Jews. This crazy moment. This wasn't how we expected it to go, God. And then right in the eye of this whole storm, we see a baby in a manger. Peaceful, joyful, hopeful. In this whole moment of wonder and beauty, this story reminds me that it's not about escaping the pain and suffering. The pain and suffering that you and I experience in our life is not evidence for a lack of God, but it magnifies our need for God. The very presence of human suffering and human pain does not mean that there is no need for God anymore. In fact, it actually drives us in to this all-loving, all-good, all-perfect God that says, I want to know you. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. It is about God's presence in the midst of pain. That Jesus came and took on human form, fully God, fully man, in the midst of the chaos of humanity. And it shows you and I that the answer to our pain is not to be removed from it, but to have the presence of Jesus right in the middle of it. So I want to encourage you, no matter what it is you've got going on, 
No matter what this Christmas looks like, no matter what this new year looks like, it might be a, feel a little bit, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know what I've got going on in my life. Whatever it is you've got going on, you can rest easy. When we look at this Christmas story and see that the presence of Jesus changes everything. It might not change your circumstance, but it will change you in the middle of it. And finally, the Christmas story reminds me of the character of our God. And I think this is beautiful. The whole story of Jesus stepping down from heaven to take on skin and bone. You know what it shows me about our God? He is not embarrassed to be seen with us. He is not embarrassed to be known by us. He is not too, too distant to have his hand reached out and grabbed by us. That the story of Jesus as he lay in this manger, fully human, he humbled himself to the lowest point to save you and I from this thing that separates us from ourself and from God. He came to save us from sin. He came to save us from ourselves. This whole story shows me that the heart of our God is not fix yourself and then come to me. It is you need fixing, so I'm going to come to you. I don't know about you, but when I look at my life and I look at my past and I look at my future and I think, in those moments where you feel like, I just don't know if I have what it takes to be who God has made me to be. This story reminds me that God came to earth to satisfy his holiness, to demonstrate his love, to give you and I a way out so that we could know God for ourselves. In John chapter 8 verse 12, when Jesus was a little bit older, he said this, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus crossed eternity to bring you and I home, to give us an opportunity to know him, to be in relationship and to be the people that God has made us to be. Whoever you are, whatever your story is, whatever your journey is to this moment right now, as I stand at the end of this red carpet, whatever your story is, I believe that God has placed something with inside you, a desire for him, a yearning to know him and to be known by him. And so many of us, especially at Christmas time, we like to assign that feeling, that yearning, that desire to know God, we assign it to various things. Maybe some of you, if you don't call yourself a Christian, you would assign this, this desire to the universe. You hear people saying, it's the universe. The universe has guided me. The universe, the universe is neither good nor bad. It can do no good. It can do no bad. It just is. There is no moral or ethic power to the universe. It does not love you. Okay? How do we know? The universe does not demonstrate that it loves you or ever has loved you. And maybe we assign it to something else. Maybe we assign it to our career, that feeling of something. We've got this hole inside us I need to fill. Maybe it's my job, that'll fill it. Maybe it's relationship. Or maybe, especially at a time like Christmas, if I just buy more. And if I can get my kids this, and if I can buy this thing, and then that'll fill me up. And then January comes and you feel more empty than ever. And you look at your bank account and it's more empty than ever. <laughs> And that's just after the heating has been paid. We try and fill this need that we have for God with various different things. Jesus says, 
Whoever follows will follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This yearning that every single human has for God. When you follow Jesus, it is satisfied within you no matter what your life looks like, no matter what you have done. You can experience peace and hope and fullness and purpose in relationship with God. The story of Jesus is all about God's presence. God's presence with obviously Mary and Joseph, this moment where God became present. He was present before, but tangibly, physically, in human form. But the thing is, the wonder of Christmas is not just about a story that happened 2,000 years ago. Because how many of us listen to this Christmas story and we look at it and we're kind of like, oh, that's amazing. That's a really amazing story. I have hope because I heard that story. Yeah, to a point. The wonder of Christmas is not simply found in a story that happened 2,000 years ago, but in the fact that the profound truth that Mary and Joseph experienced 2,000 years ago is still true for you and I today. That's the wonder of Christmas. Not the beauty of a story that happened 2,000 years ago, but the transcendent, profound idea, the reality that when God said, Emmanuel, God with us, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, we are stood here and guess what? Emmanuel, God is with us right now, right here. Right in the middle of the circumstance that you feel like is upside down. Right in the middle of the health diagnosis. Right in the middle of the human suffering. Right in the middle of the pain. Right in the middle of the upside down world. The this is not how this was supposed to be moments. The same truth that Mary and Joseph experienced. That the shepherds knelt down and worshipped. The same reality is available for you and I today. God with us. That's the story of Christmas. Not something that happened before, but something that is happening right now. This Christmas, I don't know, maybe you have that sense. Just like Mary and Joseph, this is not how this was supposed to be. This is not how things are supposed to shape up. Maybe you've got that feeling today. Or maybe you've just got this feeling of like, heard this story before, familiar with the story. I get it. I've been in church a long time. Maybe you find yourself in that place. But, but today, no matter who you are, my encouragement is exactly the same. That light that pierced the darkness 2,000 years ago. That light that crossed eternity. 2,000 years ago, darkness did everything it could to snuff out the light. But the light was so overwhelming and blinding that darkness could not put out the light. And that light still shines today from the glory of heaven, from the heart of every single believer of Jesus, in nature, the glory of Jesus is still shining right now. And my question is, do you have it? This Christmas time, my question is, do you have the light of life? The light that fills the darkest parts of your soul, that fills that hole of yearning for God, yearning for our Creator. Do you have it? Or maybe this Christmas it is a time for you to accept the greatest gift ever given to humanity. The presence and relationship of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with you. God with you in the midst of whatever it is you have. So I want to offer you an opportunity this morning. 
I want to pray for you. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what your story is. I don't need to, but God knows you. He loves you. And this whole thing, I said the universe doesn't love you. How do we know it didn't show us? How do we know that Jesus loves us? Well, he poured out everything. He came. He lived as a human being. He died on a cross to take on our guilt and our shame and all the areas that we fall short. He bled in a tomb for three days and rose again to show us his power, to give us a hope for a future. And he sent it back to heaven. And you can know him. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to offer an opportunity. If you do not know Jesus in this room today, if you have never accepted that free gift of grace, if you have never experienced Emmanuel, God with us, God with you, if you've never experienced that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And then another group of people, maybe you're in here and you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And today, maybe it's awoken something inside of you, but I've taken the presence of Jesus for granted in my life. And today is a day of gratitude. On the last gathering of 2022, we will be grateful as a church. We will thank God for the sacrifice that he made, for the wonder and the beauty and the hope and the majesty and the glory and the power of the moment of the birth of Jesus. God with us. So I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to respond physically. I just simply want you to respond between you and God. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I want to turn away from the life that I am living. I want to step into the purpose and the relationship that you have to offer. Or maybe you're that second group of people. I just want you to sit and thank Jesus for all that he did for us. just for the 2,000 years ago, but for the now, and for the tomorrow, and for the next week, and for the next year of continued presence and faithfulness of our God. And I want to pray for you. All that you say to us and how you speak to us. Right now, in this moment, God, would you just make us so grateful for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf? God, I want to thank you for this amazing, incredible church family. God, thank you for drawing these people together for this time. Thank you for this church. God, I pray right now as we've seen the kids show us this amazing story, as we've Look to your scripture as we've encountered a part of that little sliver of what it must have been like on that day. God, make us grateful. But more so, God, remind us that this is not a story that happened just simply in the past. It is not a reality that was available 2,000 years ago and not today. But it is a reality that you stretch out your hand and offer us your presence right here right now no matter who we are so for all those people that responded in their heart to say that they wanted to know you God I pray right now Jesus would you speak to them reveal your heart and your nature to them today 
God, for all those who are in this room feeling just distant and disjointed from you, remind them, God, that it is your presence that is the answer. Not freedom from pain, but freedom in the pain. God, we declare that you are God, that you are holy, that you have a plan, and thank you that we get to be part of that plan today. Thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for the incredible year that we have had. We pray over all the kids, all the team, everyone involved and putting on today, God, would you refresh them and encourage them. May we never grow tired of this beautiful, wondrous story that is Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.